Never make fun of someone if they mispronounce a word. It means they learned it by reading. Anonymous. He's kind of crazy. She's a little insane. Keeping energy really messes with his brain. One is divorced. The other's husband is dead. That's why it's so messed up in the head. It's a Silver Linings Playcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Silver Linings Playcast. I'm your host, Jamie Ward, and as far as I know, this is the only podcast solely devoted to talking about Silver Linings Playbook, the movie, and the Silver Linings Playbook, the book. What a weird day it has been. I feel like the simulation is broken. We're going to get to our Silver Linings Playbook talk in a minute, but I just wanted to, like, one, uh, this is a very special episode. Did I tell you all this is a very special episode? No, because I was so... I was so focused on my day and how weird that was. Let's get it back on track. Just so you know, if this is your first time listening, uh, probably stop because this is a terrible podcast. But anyway, yes, we're having a very special episode today. This is our, believe it or not, 100th episode. And this is part 31 of our special 100-parter. So we are almost to a third of our our completion of our 100th episode. Not quite. We got two more weeks for that, but we're going to get it in this year, and the next year we can start on the next two-thirds of our uh, episode, right? But today was weird because I had to get up and go to an an appointment, uh, a doctor's appointment, and it just felt it felt off because they left me in the room for almost 45 minutes by myself and I was staring at three doors and I didn't know who was going to come in and I got a new primary care provider and all, all these things. And that, like, that was weird, but let's, let's just say um, medical appointments are always weird for everybody. That wasn't the special part. The, 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 it started getting weird, I noticed, when I went to go refill our water bottles. We got the big old five-gallon jug water bottles and I went to... The grocery store that we always go to, there's always big trucks in the parking lot. Big rigs, 18-wheelers, right? There's always a couple parked in there. Not a one today. What was going on? Were the trucks all all moving? And then, and then we, um, you know, just me, but, but I'm saying we still collectively, us at the podcast, uh, went and... Um, Something else. Oh, oh, all the firework uh, stations are, are getting set up. The tents, the firework tents are getting set up all over Louisiana. I guess they're getting ready for uh, selling all the fireworks for the holidays, for New Year's Eve stuff, which is just a n- number of weeks away. And then this was the thing that sort of blew my mind. I was listening to a podcast. I was listening to the Script Notes podcast, one of my favorite writing podcasts. And they were talking about when we pronounce words uh, that are foreign language words and why some of them have, uh, we go with, why, why some of them we go with a, a total American pronunciation of the word. Sometimes we retain the accent of the word that has been brought into the English vernacular. Also, if you're interested, these words are called uh, transplant words. That's a concept you can look up to, to get more specific on this idea. But sometimes we just come up with brand new words for them. Now, I was aware that Japan is not called Japan in Japan. Uh, Nippon is the word for the country to them, right? So they have, like, when I was over there, 
uh, Nippon Airlines, which was, uh, you know, we would call it Japan Airlines. That was not the one that, that messed with my head. Did you all know, and the, and the reason this is important is because I am of Korean descent, that Korea is not the word for Korea. Korea is the American word for Korea. The, so they're, of all the countries, uh, Korea is one of the, the few in which I would have this specific problem with. I, I would have believed that our pronunciation, that at least Korea was called Korea because we call it the Republic of Korea. I thought calling it the Republic of Korea meant that maybe we had put our little uh, Western spin on it by calling it the Republic of... And apparently, that's not even the word for it. There are two separate countries, North and South Korea, which is already fact. But the, the North is uh, Chosan, and the South, South Korea, Hanguk. And now I don't know what is what. So all that was messing with my head. And then I came back, and I was just going to sleep the rest of the day off. And then I realized, oh, I've got improv practice later later this evening. So I took a brief nap, and I got up, and I went to improv practice. And uh, not enough people were there to have full rehearsal. So that's okay. You know, that's, that's fine. But it was definitely... Um, I just felt like there were so many facts that were off today. Sort of like the the simulation was going through an operating system update or something, which just made it like, it's like facts aren't working today. Are... Okay, it's, it's just, it's a weird day. Like, go out and I, I thought maybe I was invisible or something. Like, like is, uh, is the Mandela effect still called the Mandela effect? No, what? it's called Lenza and Stable Diffusion. It's all the AI artwork that everybody's doing. Stable. It's, it's messing with the simulation. Maybe that is the... Is that the problem? Is, is artificial... You know, you know every, I feel like all my comedian friends finally got worried this week that AI was, was a threat to their careers, which is weird because AI was not created this week. They just all got on this trending idea that, oh my goodness, we're going to use AI to make funny pictures, and then they got all uh, reactive together with the herd mindset of, oh no... Um, this is really encroachment on a bunch of different creative career fields. This has been happening for a really long time. But now it's tangible by the public. It's, well, this is the thing. It was tangible otherwise. We, we sat by the, in fact, the, the whole platform that Andrew Yang was running for, on, for his presidential candidacy was that uh, the first industry that was going to be replaced by AI was going to be the self-driving trucks, which is going to put out of business... Um, truck drivers. Yes, which is just like this huge, huge, uh, you know, bunch of Americans that, and um, you know, that are going to be replaced and have to find a new industry. And so he was, he was campaigning on this, uh, you know, I guess that's uh, uh, like over six years ago now. Is that right? Maybe, I don't know the math on that. Which means that it was an issue even before then, because he was already aware and fighting that, which means it was an issue that was even being developed. But, but comics got scared this week that, oh no, they're going to they're gonna lose their jobs because an AI can write better jokes than they can. I hate to tell them this, but uh, if you have ever shared a meme without citing your source for that, 
then guess what? You're not, you know, um, not complaining. This is not a talk show news radio thing. You don't need my opinion. We're here to talk about Silver Linings Playbook the movie and the Silver Linings Playbook the book. You know what I hope? I hope AI can take over this podcast one day for me. It'll make it way better. This I don't I don't put in a lot of effort for this. If I could turn it over to um, an AI computer, I would, because then I would just keep taking credit for doing one every week, just popping in the the. You know, real intelligence is hard. I don't like having it or using it. Um, also, it's just going to be a tool, right? Because we have, you know, um, but also, I also want to bring up the fact, I'm not sure that what we're calling AI is exactly AI, because it's just really like a computer program that's bringing together all these different art things. I mean, maybe, I don't understand AI, but you know what I do know? You know, the first thing that's going to get put out of business the first industry that's really going to get put out of business by the AI. Humans don't have to worry about it. The robots should be worried. AI is coming for those robot jobs. So what we should be doing (laughs) is being friends with the robots who we were once scared. If you go back and you watch Terminator 2, which I've never seen. I was talking about that the other day with Katie, that I I missed a whole bunch of action films from um, the night. Uh, Last Action Hero? Is that your time? You wanted yeah. something that was kind of fun and lighter tonight. Would that be a one? I don't. Yes. Anyway, I was. Um, that was one of my favorites when I was a kid. Yeah, I and it, it sucked because it was really hard to find it at like Blockbuster and stuff like that, um, or Hollywood Video because we really couldn't afford to go to Blockbuster. We had to go to. The- the chintzy little place. Where I they have the whole Blockbuster, the big corporation, which ended up putting out of business all these other little things, and then putting themselves out of business, and then yeah. AI is going to put the video store out of business. It's all it's all cyclical. It's all right. AI is going to put AI out of business, and then all us entertainers will be right back from square one after the aftermath of the technology revolution. It's great. I don't. We've got nothing to be scared about except every other part of existence. Because Can we really watch Last Action Hero? Absolutely, should watch the Last Action. I think I think that's because I think I remember watching the trailer. Uh, you know, it looks hilarious. I love I love self referential things. Like actually, it is like it's a very Rick and Morty ish uh, concept. Before that, um, yeah, we've been watching Rick and Morty. We're all. Caught up on that, I'll say two two episodes ago was crazy. Watch watch two episodes ago from wherever this was. It was uh, it was like the most self referential meta writing show about writing that I've ever seen. But I mean, they built to that too, doing six six seasons and then being able to do that. I think um, how yeah. I have. Um Speaking of AI and things like that, mm-hmm. um, I'm sorry, you're still recording, but I need an inspirational quote for this photo of Aww. Jake barfing <laughs> in the grass. Um, Don't oh, make fun man. of somebody not... <laughs> for mispronouncing a word. <laughs> we were trying to come up with a funny thing to put on a picture of a dog real quick, but I got so distracted, I, I need to totally deconstruct. Now, this is going to be 
tough to do it over a podcast because this is a very visual thing I'm going to be sharing with y'all. But I just I saw a box, maybe a carton of I'm. There's so many words in this. There's a lot to dissect. So get yourself by a computer or go to the web browser on your phone. And I need you to look up uh, American Farmed Nature's Blend Aromatic Purple Red and Brown Rice. By uh, now that's, that's the name of the product. The company is Ralston Family Farms. And, and the line is America's Rice. There is so many words on here, and I just love that they're doing everything to sell this rice, um, because when I buy rice, I usually, you know, look at the price, look for a nice rice price, and I don't think twice, right? But but this box, now imagine you see this in a grocery store, and, and they are are selling to several markets now. They are really proud of their Americanness of this product. There is an American flag on the front. It's called America's Rice. Uh, it, it says American Farmed. Dash. Um, it has it has a logo for the Ralston Family Farms logo, but then there is a non-GMO label over that sticker. So even though I understand what they're doing, it looks like it's one of those uh, not stickers. Right, like a no smoking sticker because it's a circle with the line that says GM non-GMO through it, which I think they should have just done a circle, uh, but they didn't ask me to mad men this. Um, they on the front it also says natural source of antioxidants. It has a little sticker that says sustainably farmed and regenerative agriculture. Several places on here, they are selling themselves as gluten free. Whole grain. The box is recyclable. It is kosher. Right? So that's just the front of the box. Look at how many different markets they're trying. Oh, oh, also at the top, because I said it might be considered a carton. It's a carton. It is. It's like a milk carton. Yeah. Because it has an arrow to the top that says easy open, easy pour spout. Because, you know, you really hate those difficult rice spouts. Right? So I just want you to think about, like, the different markets that they are trying to appeal to. That's that's the front of the box. Let's go to the uh, box right side. It's got, okay, that's that's just got all the boring nutritional the um, ingredients, all the mandatory stuff you got to have. Now the back. This is where it gets exciting. There is a whole biography about the Ralston family farms. This um, I'm going to read you the, the prologue to it, whatever you call the top of the box, because this is not the meet, meet the Ralston's paragraph, I guess is probably like the company statement or something. We allow nature to blend this unique combination of our aromatic purple, red, and traditional brown rice. These varieties grow together in the field, allowing natural cross-pollination from wind, honeybees, and other pollinators to create more than just another mixed bag of rice. Not a bag. This rice, are, it doesn't say not a bag. I added the not a bag. That was Maybe my comment. Maybe it's in a bag inside the carton. It's, is it? Yeah. No. It's just loose grain rice. But that's okay. There. Um Well no, maybe it's in a bag inside there. And that's what it's attached to. See how it's got the plastic on it? Maybe it's attached and there's a bag on it. Now I gotta make it and put it in the soup. I also I, I do love the beautiful 
analogy is there a of there's the purple, red, and traditional brown rice all mixed together. There is a family. There is uh, one, two, five. three, four, five, six, seven, seven adults, two uh, middle-aged kids, and then two young kids on there. Um, so is that like sister wives? <laughs> and the, every, they're all, and there's a big old tractor in the back. Now, now let's re- meet the Ralston family. Ralston Family Farms is a multi-generational family farm in the Arkansas River Valley. It is here where we put care into growing, harvesting, and milling our artisanal, traditional, and aromatic varieties of rice. Our rice fields are flooded with renewable surface water provided by the Arkansas River. And because being good stewards of the land has always been important to us, we grow sustainably and ecologically for future generations. We hope you enjoy our non-GMO, naturally gluten-free American farm milled rice from our family to your table. Ralston Family Farms. And then they ask you to stay in touch. They have customer service at RalstonFamilyFarms.com and you can find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I... <laughs> I just... Now, now, I'm sure there are people. They, I'm, I should not just be making fun of, of people who are totally different than me and see different... I'm not talking about the Ralstons here. I am talking about the people that would look at this and be like, oh my goodness, I want to follow this rice company on, on Instagram. Because I... I Are there people... I'm, I'm curious if you're a person that follows a few favorite food. I follow my favorite chains because I want to see when they're having deals and stuff. Um, there's cooking directions on the box right side. There's also a, a QR code so you can go... To, I'm guessing it's their website. They have their, let's see, they have a QR code. They have their website. They have their email address. They have three social media indicators. They have their website on the other side of the box and manufactured and distributed by, and then they have a mailing address as well. So the Ralston family really wants to connect with you. So if you don't have anywhere to go next Thanksgiving, uh, get in touch with the Ralston family. I might not even be pronouncing that. You know what, though? What a great podcast for me to all of a sudden get sub- self-conscious that I'm not pronouncing their family name right. I learned their names from reading. So, full circle there. That's word sustainability. Just like the Ralstons and their regenerative agriculture, Right? Good for us. I'm sorry I got that fascinated by a box of rice right now. I'm, we'll get back to talking about Silver Linings Playbook, the movie, and the Silver Linings Playbook, the book. How? So one of my favorite lines of podcasts was right after Katie and I had watched Silver Linings Playbook for the first time together. It wasn't my first time. I had seen it uh, probably three times before, um, maybe more. Maybe less. I don't know. I haven't counted in my head with numbers. Interestingly enough, it's almost the one-year anniversary since we watched it together. Um, because, yeah, so we, we watched it, and she came up with several theories that I thought were fantastic fan theories about Silver Linings Playbook. Just reopen. I mean, I think the podcast was probably going to call it quits, and she just... Um, injected a whole new uh, bunch of ideas where she was suggesting that Pat 
could have been uh, a murderer. Ooh. That he that the whole story could have taken place in his head in in little school. That maybe he was kids on a playground, and a lot of this was analogies. You know, you go back, go back. Um, could be both of those together. You know, about fifty episodes, and you'll find a lot of those theories where we talked about them the first time. But I love the idea. How great would a Meta Silver Linings playbook B. How many books are aware that they are books? How many movies are aware that they are movies? I really like the ones that are. And the, and you don't have to be so self-referential. You don't have to be um, like a, a, a Dan Harmon level of self-referential. I think there's just an awareness of a movie knowing that it's a movie. Well, what about Mimic? Mimics? Yeah, like in Dungeons and Dragons. Or like Harry Potter. Where like, there's a book that looks like a book, but when you go to pick it up, it's like a monster. It's a mimic. Okay. It would be like an AI monster. Remember I I showed you that video the other day where the girl had all the cardboard and she was wearing that like galaxy onesie. And it said, don't Uh be a mimic, don't be a mimic. And then she got down and she was a treasure chest. She turned into a treasure chest. Yeah, a treasure chest with teeth. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm sorry. Was that a mimic? I didn't yeah. understand what a mimic That's what a mimic is. Okay. I... It's an everyday object where it's like, oh, cool, there's a treasure chest. I'm going to open it. And then, nope, it's a monster. It's mimicking oh. a treasure chest. Okay. Oh, wait, there was like a, there was a Pokemon like that. Something yeah, that mimics maybe, a kind of. thing. Yeah, okay, something that looks like other things. Yeah, Ditto was a little pink blob guy that like used to... Attack him, and then it's actually a Mewtwo. It's also a cool way in the 1950s to say that you wanted to do the same thing someone else was going to do. I don't know. I don't know. That's 1950s. I'm not going to make fun of you for that because I know you read it somewhere. Am I like? (laughs) I I did learn Reddit recently. I've actually I've been on Reddit today. I was offering some some encouragement to a fellow random screenwriter. That's one of my favorite sources of inspiration these days since I have uh, I don't want to say lost a lot of my writing oh what okay wait hold on let's let's talk about where our projects are headed right now because this is pretty exciting I have made the decision that I am going to record three comedy albums next year my first three ever and this is big decision because I was, and I've talked to a couple people about it now, I've talked to Katie and Marcus, and um, I was, I basically arrived at this conclusion that comics are always recording albums uh, just a couple years in, before they're ready, right, right like they just, they, they learn how to take up an hour's worth of time on stage and then they get a friend to record it, and then boom, they release it like an album. But not everybody is. There's plenty of amazing, great comedy albums out there too. I love comedy, but I've been doing this for a number of years. I started my first my first show was October twelfth, two thousand nine, at the Punchline in Atlanta, Georgia. The original punchline on Hildebrand Street. Oh, sad news, too. I heard this this week that Caroline's is closing 
in New York. They're going to have their last show. Iconic Club. I never got to perform there, and I guess I never will. But uh, that's, that's kind of a sad thing, I guess. I was just getting back into comedy, and one of, one of the arguably the top most iconic comedy clubs is probably the top three or four. you got Caroline's. you got the uh, Laugh Factory, the Comedy Store. The, the improv, I mean, I know some of these are chains now. You got the comedy cellar. Um, but, I mean, as far as the places that, like, every comic knows and loves and aspires to perform on stage at, is is the comedy club dying? Is, I mean, look at, look at all these other businesses that are just not proving to be profitable enough in in the um, market right now where I'm, I'm not saying this is like a person that's down on the future. No, okay. So I was talking to a, a buddy last night where we were joking back and forth about this AI and how about neither of us are actually worried about it because it's just another thing that comes along. Technology always upends the current generation. And I told him the thing that I am upset about is that I, you know, as a, as a child, we all see the technology that we grow up with. And there are guesses made about what the future of technology will look like as we grow into our adult lives. And we make plans about how we are going to use that technology. And we think we know what the world we are going to grow up is going to be like. Now, those are just um, guesses. They're, they're theories, and there's always changes, because you look at, look at the original Star Trek tech, the, the original Star Trek that started decades ago, 40 or 50 years ago, right? And a lot of that has become a reality. I remember looking at the data pads. I don't know what they were called, but they were... In uh, the original Star, in the Star Trek: Next Generation, which was not the original Star Trek, right? And they had the whole computers that were, they were larger than phones, and that show. And now, all of that um, computing power and even more is in a device that is smaller than than that. All the touchscreen things are very much like what Star Trek predicted the super future was going to be, and it was only a couple years later from when these are, you know, set designers and artistic directors and, and art departments were creating the tech to build these Star Trek worlds, right? So the problem comes along for me personally when I am getting pretty comfortable with stuff. I've been doing comedy for about just over a decade, and I think I know how comedy clubs work, and I think I know how social media works, and I think I know how recording works. I think I know how writing works works. And then technology comes along that totally upends all the things that I am used to. And you see that with things like TikTok. You see that thing with things like Instagram Reels, YouTube uh, short videos, right? My complaint is a personal gripe. It is not knocking the technology or the way the world goes. It is my laziness that I do not want to adapt because it is slightly uncomfortable for me because I thought that I understood how I could best capitalize on my skills and knowledge. 
that's the main problem, though. It is. Is because exactly. it's, it's not a main problem with just you. Is that this tech is getting so rolled out so quickly and blasted into basically free... It's like a free beta period. And they're constantly having updates and things like that. So they, they've removed the ability to actually have people go and test these things to see if they're going to work or not. And everybody has their own app now. That's where capitalism comes in, where it's like everybody can have their own company and their own app, and this one does something better, and this one does something better than that. So you end up just paying all this money for this system that's going to be obsolete in the next two years. Um, you saw that kind of happening in, like, the 90s and early 2000s and stuff where, you know, a computer used to last you a good five, six, seven, eight years. Mm -hmm. I mean... If you're me, you just hold on to them forever because you never know, you know? It's like a gaming system to me. So, um, But now they're dispendable because there's different apps. There's different things. You have to upgrade your computer. You have to upgrade all this other technology to stay ahead and, and to make sure you know this. But there's never enough time to truly get to know everything and how they all work together unless you were the ones that developed it. And that's how... It's, it's turning into more of, I hate to say, like, money game or whatever, but it does kind of come down to that because there might be one protocol. and Okay, like, take the music industry, for example. Um, Pro Tools is the industry standard. That one goes out to you, Marcus. Um, but it crashes so much, and it's, it's kind of obsolete, and it's not really that great to work with or easy. Um, I mean, it can be, but there's so much, and there's so many different things it can do and, and whatnot. But, yeah, it's the industry standard because it's been around for so long and you've had to spend that amount of time getting to know everything about it. Where, you know, you also have, like, Ableton and you have all these other different things and they're not backwards compatible and things like that. But, like, nobody wants to work with Pro Tools. Everybody hates Pro Tools. You are reminding me of the big concept I've been thinking a lot about this Sorry, week. Sorry, The concept of the fallacy of sunken costs that we have invested in something so much that we keep going with it just because we've yes. invested so much exactly. in it. And it is it's exactly. a logical fallacy. It's, it goes right along with the Yes. Those, uh, you know... Um, it's like, why are you using something that's not mm -hmm. top of the line? But even if it is top of the line, that doesn't necessarily make it better. But we you have, have to have some sort of... We have that in video editing, too. I'm sure you've heard of... Premiere? Uh, Premiere. Yeah. And uh, what's... Oh, my goodness, I'm blanking out. Beta. Final Cut mm -hmm. uh, used to be what... But and and those are our industry standards for filming, and yet they're more and more every week. More and more video editors are recommending uh, DaVinci, which is a free yeah, open, source open source editor. That's why you have like Gift Shop and stuff, exactly, and Photoshop and things like that. Yeah, because it still uses the base of it. So yeah, like and also the. And I'm this refusing whole to learn it because I'm old and I put so much money into Adobe. I want to learn Adobe. It was, but it's but not the standard have, anymore. But it's not. It's not the standard anymore. And also, you have to subscribe to certain things, especially like Office, like Microsoft Office and things like that. Mm -hmm. Now you have to have a monthly subscription to have the suite, and everything's moving to subscription based because they're figuring out, oh crap. Uh, our product isn't really that great and other people are doing it, but, you know, you have all these files, nananaboo-boo, you have to use our crap or it's not going to format properly. Mm -hmm. And that's a way where I feel like it, they got lazy, these, these bigger companies and stuff, 
tended to get lazy and greedy with it because they knew, ha, 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 we had a monopoly back in the day on this crap, and you're and used to it, and your parents are used to it. put out the fact that maybe it's us that is getting lazy, you and I, our generation. Because no, because we're, we are seeking it out, and, we are, and we're making YouTube videos. And things have been subscription-based for longer than we like to admit. It just wasn't called... Subscription-basing... You talking about like cable changed. and things like I'm that? I'm talking about rent. I am talking about vehicle well, leasing. Then that's, not, then that's not necessarily You're paying lazy. monthly for a product that we don't own. Explain that to me. So, like, uh, the standard of living You don't think that, hold on, no, be, you said rent specifically. I did, like, and I will, yeah. that's one I'm about to address. I know, okay, There used but, to be an idea of home ownership in America, yeah. and that was a thing, and you wanted to buy a physical copy of your house. Because most people do actually deed. still want to do that. It's just unaffordable. For most Americans nowadays. Yes, and so. so oh, I didn't the, mean to turn this into a political debate. Well, I mean, it's, it's just really a thing. Political. I mean, how long, like, renting property has is become a thing? I mean, it's not become a thing because we were even watching this medieval thing. We're back but that's, in the. But it's not becoming. Yeah, you're days. right. So I'm saying the land monthly, lord. What's the difference between companies took the model that was successful for the biggest purchases in people's life, and but, then they uh, adjusted it to all the little products. But as a society, though, we and, were. We were hoping to move away from that kind of thing. I don't, I don't know if we were though. Well, maybe we wanted to, but again, there's a there's a system in place and like capitalism. I don't know. I'm sorry. I don't know why I'm on that, but it's it's not that it's not fair or anything like that. But like the little nickel and diming, mm-hmm. we we do away with that historically. Like in you know like Y2K era and things like that. Um, you know, and there was like you know the the cable cutters. Um, you know, everybody went to streaming and things like that. Yes, that's a subscription thing, but they, they do that so that they don't have to get nickel and dimed on certain things. So they're still finding ways, even with these other things, it's just constantly, ooh, how can we make more money? And that is the business model of any business, is to, like any corporation. Yeah, or as like long that, as business has been existing, I think people yeah. people want to make and more than they have. Now, look at the military and things like that. Like, yes. it's like the military, um, you know, have you have like Lockheed and... I used to subscribe to careers on the contract basis in six-year increments, six-year subscriptions to the job and life. Right? And maybe it's going to be going that way. It was the original. No, that's what I'm saying. It already has. It has been. It has been since it's been a volunteer army, since it's been contract. Actually, even before that, because there was conscription back in the the Roman days, and, and like since the beginning of history. So... It's subscription I get it. based I totally things get is it. not new in concept. It has just been utilized by somebody that was brilliant and said, "Oh, we can use this here." To make money, yeah. So yes, yeah, so that's what I'm saying. But I'm like, uh-huh. that doesn't mean that I'm lazy though, or that we're that lazy was, about no. that. Well, that's what you said. I, I think. said our generation is lazy in our resistance to accepting. These big changes. We're acting like we're the first generation that, oh, technology has moved so fast we can't keep up oh, and it's no, not that's fair. Not where, that's not where I was going with that. I was going along, or I was going along the lines of uh, we don't want to stick to the standard if it's just going to be... There um, is no standard. There has never been a standard. The, like the industry standard. There's, there's never been an industry standard. That's what I'm... About what? It's not, that's, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying that the uh, people back in the 1800s... One of my favorite points in history was in the Wild West in the early 1800s of America when the uh, automobile and the steam engine 
arrived and they replaced and completely changed the horse industry. Um, look at all the people that probably put out of business. The fact that the, the railroad could now transport multiple wagon trains worth of goods across the country in less time for less effort for less money. Mm-hmm. So you can't use a train in a, in a field, though. It's so a different switched. product, but I'm yes. saying there's always innovation that will completely okay, look at, look make... Look at COVID taking alcohol industry and alcohol companies and turning it into hand sanitizing production because they had all this stuff and they weren't able to put it out in bars and things like that or whatever. So but this is not a production. technological revolution. What I'm, I'm talking about is when something comes along that fills a need that has never been met before. Well, that's what I'm saying. There's all these different things. These, these are filling a need, but they already have been filled, so you just get to choose which one you go to. Because, like, there's not, there really hasn't been any huge new uh, advancements in any type of technology lately. There is, though. AI. AI. But you just told me earlier, or you just said on your podcast earlier, that AI has been a, around a lot longer than... It is, but we're, now we're, we're not talking about specific time frames and you're jumping back and forth between using micro time frames. Uh, I'm talking about it's a revolutionary technology that yes. is going to destroy some industries as it becomes proliferated through American culture, through global culture. But um, I also, I feel like it's not going to destroy industries if we are aware of it. Maybe. It will destroy some. What? Well, That's what I'm saying. Every technology, that com- every technology that comes along destroys... The um, I don't like the word destroy. Obliterates, makes disappear. Um, phases out. Phases out. One of my favorite Overcomes. inventions. The, the Gutenberg press uh, definitely destroyed a lot of the need for people to hand copy um, written texts. But Why not to mass produce. But not for countries that couldn't afford to have that technology. I'm not talking about every country, though. I'm talking, but I'm talking about there's an industry which is no longer um, sized the way it was. Yeah. The invention of the press did not destroy copying something by hand, but, yeah, but it, it also, obliterated you know, the, the industry. The printing press, if you want to get crazy with this, uh, this throwback here, like that was like a lot of child labor and stuff too. So maybe that was a good thing. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like. I mean, like, the, the printing press and things like that, like, yeah. used to have children that were, like, slave labor, well, doing all that kind of stuff, so. Well, the printing press still exists. Yeah, I know, but I'm, I'm saying, like... The printing press killed the job of doing it by hand. That's what I'm saying, that they used to do that, like, the kids used to have to do it by hand. Yeah. Yeah. So it made their job easier. Did it? Yeah, so I would say that without... I, w- I, I would argue I don't what, what is easier. Like, because it's not like chemicals and things like that. You could mass produce uh, many more written texts faster and more accurately uh, by using a printing press than having, well, like the. Than having a whole bunch of kids do it. Those monks. So it helped the kids. I would, I would say, yeah. So, and that's the thing. That's sort of my argument here that I'm making. Technology helps younger generations. I'm cranky because I'm not willing. To oh. adjust my oh, expectations. Oh, we're talking about you being cranky, and I'm trying to tell you that you're not cranky. But, but I am cranky. I'm trying to I'm tell gonna, you to be proud of yourself. But also, what's wrong with cranky? There's nothing wrong with cranky. Unless you're beating yourself up about it, then there's a problem with cranky. I'm disappointed, because I thought that I was a lot oh, younger I was. I was disappointed. Until okay. this week. 
and a lot more what? I thought I was a lot younger I, than I, I was than I am until this week, and I went to an open mic uh, two nights ago, and I realized it was not. It is. It's been a long time since I've been on stage. It has been. I, I had gotten up a couple times, but it, it's been a long time since I open mic'd because there's a big difference between performing. I know my material. I know my act. I know the jokes that I used to tell, and I could have done that. And I don't want to though, because that's not what the open mic is about. I'm not there to tell people uh, the same jokes that I, I tested at. Open mics are fun. They're super fun, right? But they're also proving grounds. They're there to let you hone your act, to tighten your jokes, to test them, to see if they work, right? So, of course, I did. I always do a little bit of tried and true just to make the promise to the audience at the beginning, like, hey, um, you know, I... I'm going to be funny, so pay attention for the next couple minutes, but it just hurts my soul to do jokes that I've already done before at an open mic. But that's part of the system, too, right? So there was a good turnout, both audience and comics. So they cut us down from the normal five to four minutes, which, you know, is not a problem. I'm, I'm going to stick to my time and be respectful of that. But it also means that I have even less time um, I've never, I've tried to never be a snob in my comedy life about being like, oh, there's not enough time to do stuff. But there, there are, uh, there is an evolution in my comedy writing where I like to tell a little bit longer form jokes and I like to tell stories and I like to sort of have a little bit more of an emotional punch and just using quick formulaic one-liners. I'm not that good that I can get everybody on board in one minute so that I have, I have three minutes fully to operate in the emotional space that I am most interested in performing in, right? So I really gave them too much, uh, I, you know, I probably gave them a minute and a half, two minutes of tried and true material and then busted into my new premises. But I was not comfortable because I am not sharp right now with comedy like that. And so I really just ate it for the following two minutes and I did not feel good about the performance. I do feel good overall with my experience because I did exactly what I wanted to do. I got my new stuff out. I thought I was going to get nervous and, and totally not even get into the things that I wanted. But um, I, I delivered everything in the order and I got the premises out, I got to run them, I got to sort of see where there's some, some chuckles and not, but it definitely wasn't as clean or fluid and confident, and the confidence is a huge part too. I mean, I took a video of myself, and I really, I felt, I felt like it did not work, and it absolutely didn't. Um, not in the way that I had wanted it to. Like I said, part of that was my confidence. I just, I couldn't deliver my material authoritatively, and because I'm trying to get into that space, where I talk about more heartfelt topics with a little more emotional resonance. Uh, the first, the opening jokes work fine. The, the formulae, but, uh, and that's because I know them. I know them by heart. The, the material that I was wanted to work on was 
stuff that I didn't even know the wording of. I know the premise, and that's and I normally have a system that I do stand up comedy where I you know I do the first open mic the first time I I try the stuff out because now I'm not doing big shows and long sets where I can sandwich it in you know comfortably in the middle of a 30 minute and an hour set. Um, you know I gotta just like force it in real quick for the time being right now. And I, so I didn't, you know, feel that I had the time to talk to the audience in a place where I was comfortable and that they were comfortable with me. Now, that's on me, too, because if I was willing to spend more time devoting to the writing ahead of time, I could have fine-tuned some of this stuff a little bit more. But also, you know, I you have to balance how much time you're willing to sit at a computer, how much time you're willing to sit talking into your phone or the practice. I, I really just needed to get back on the bicycle. So I didn't, I didn't need it to go wonderfully. And in fact, it went wonderfully for what it was. And I'm totally fine with that. I'm really happy and I had a lot of fun going and I'm very excited that I did. And hopefully I'm going to start getting back into it. And part of that is, is there's an excitement. I, I'm inspired because I, like y'all know, I went to Conrad's wedding last week and apparently he is getting up about once or twice a week, maybe even more. And, uh, you know, and that's what he's always needed to do too. He, uh, you know, he's one of the funniest people that I know. Um, so much potential as a comics always had and still does like this amazing potential. He just needed to get the balance because I think he got into performing too much and not enough working on it. And now he's got this great life balance where, you know, because he has a full-time job outside of comedy, it makes the opportunities that he has to get on stage a little more rare and a lot more valuable to him. So I think he's, I, I hope he's, he's putting in the work off stage. And once you find that perfect balance, and there is no, there's no set amount that is the right amount. Each person has their own correct amount that is the best balance for them. I used to know what mine was, and then I took about two years off. Maybe actually even longer now. And so I'm going to have to find, refine that balance of how I am going to be able to do comedy, how much of that is going to have to be writing on stage, how much of it is going to have to be writing ahead of time. The interesting thing is, as much as I feel, feel like I have largely fallen off as a performer, I feel like I have really stepped up as a writer since I have been doing a lot of writing since I have, uh, you know, not, not been doing, uh, since I've been working on this, this script writing stuff with Team Tuesday. Anyway, we, um, we got a, uh, trip tomorrow going out of town for one of her gigs, so I'm going to wrap it up, but I'm going to say I'm pretty proud, because this is two weeks in a row, maybe more. I don't remember how long it's been since, uh, I, how long I've been doing full episodes, um, but this is another one, and it's, it's not great, but guess what, that is what makes it right in line with all the other episodes. This is not a great podcast, right? Um, but we do it. So this is definitely another one. We're, we're going to have more. 
this is not the last week. Famous last words. Knocking on wood right now. So anyway, uh, thanks thanks for tuning in. I know it was a little off track. I didn't really talk about Silver Linings Playbook, the movie, or the Silver Linings Playbook book as much as I would have liked to. But we, we mentioned them, even if it was just now. But like I said, it's like facts aren't working today. It's weird. It's, this was not the day to record. I meant to do it yesterday. Like I always mean to do it on Wednesdays. And But that's why I also had the foresight to make it a Thursday podcast and record on Thursdays, even though it's already uh, Friday on the Eastern time zone where this originally started as a, a fri- as a as a Thursday podcast in Eastern time. So, you know, I, I meant for it to be a Wednesday thing. It is Thursday. It'll be uploaded by Friday. Mm-hmm. And that still counts because all I technically have to do is get it in under Sunday, except for that one week in which I got it up. There it is. It does exist on the internet somewhere before that Sunday, just not on the places that we normally host it. And then we went back and put it on the other hosting services. And look at me, maybe I'm not as old as I I thought I am because I thought I, you know, I learned I learned this technology even if it was a couple of years late. But like, listen to me being like hosted on this platform and that platform and stuff, exactly. talking authoritatively about podcasting. Podcasting is the thing that has existed, and also that like it's talk radio essentially. Podcast so was about to bring up. It's like bringing back an old lost dying medium. Terrestrial radio is on the outs, but the you know just putting it on the internet. Here, is making it a much more accessible thing and really bring so who knows what the future holds technology it's a gift and a curse it's a double-edged sword it is like an analogy that can be a good thing or a bad thing and that's what podcasting is and that's what we will continue to be so thanks for tuning in this week, and please tune in next week and every week as long as we decide to keep doing this for all the latest on Silver Linings Playbook, the movie, and the Silver Linings Playbook, the book. Uh, until next time, we will see you down the road at Excelsior.